Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have Martin Maloney. Martin is an actor and a writer who you're going to best know for his work on Hardy Books as Eddie Durkin, but you'll also know, especially in the coming year, from other shows. He's about to appear on Vikings. He's going to be in the Demo and Ivor movie coming out at the start of next year. It's going to be a really big year for Martin. I can feel it in my bones. And Martin is also always gigging up and down the country with the Hardy Books lads at these amazing live shows, which I would describe myself as lit because... That's how kids talk now, and I'm down with that shit. Uh, guys, in other news, uh, I am in the Tivoli Panto for the whole of the Christmas period, and beyond into January, uh, we are doing two shows every day, so come down and check us out if you fancy it. Uh, the show's been going great. Uh, it's a crazy schedule, but uh, it's a great bunch of people, and we're getting through it, and uh, it's all been wonderful so we'd love to see you down there in other news and um, there's not really loads of other news other than uh it's coming into the new year happy new year old lang syne all that nonsense um uh, there's some really exciting things happening in the sense that the podcast is going to be a year old really soon we're going to be at episode 50 really soon and uh, we're going to celebrate that with some cool stuff uh, and in the new year yeah look i have no plans to um get off this train uh but as i said over the last like couple of months i feel like people have just really like been great at like spreading the word uh, and tweeting about it and facebooking about it uh, just a little bit more than usual and we're not talking massive numbers here we're talking like 10 people a week but that actually makes a massive difference so if you're one of them people thank you so much uh, it's been reflected in the numbers we can see a little spike in our hits which is deadly and it just makes the whole thing a little bit easier to justify because as i said sometimes it gets tricky talking into your iphone in your bathroom because the acoustics are good and um, so it just makes life that bit easier when you know people are listening so thank you so much if you're one of them people as i said a uh, happy new year and um, the podcast has been great uh, crack for the last guts of a year I- i'm excited to bring you more episodes and i'm excited for you to enjoy Martin Maloney playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. Martin Maloney, you ready to play Personality Bingo? Yes. Sweet, let's do it. So I'll give a quick explainer of how it all works. So there are 60 balls in here. I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock and I've got 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you uh, six numbers. Would you do me a favour and read out the six there? 2, 14, 39, 49, 52 and 21. Nice. I should say that you picked 21 off mic of your own accord so uh, that is your magical number uh, I should say also that if you get uh, the six uh, knocked off the list that means that the tables are turned and you get to ask me any question in the okay. whole wide world Brilliant. sweet alright let's give it a spin Jesus okay the bingo machine is broken right, here we go here we go we got it number 51 do you have it 51 no no oh, 52 though it's close Close, right. Uh, if you could choose one person to sit down and chat to one-to-one, who would it be? Ooh, that's very interesting. Let me think about that one. Mm. You've got some good questions. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. They range into ridiculous questions, though. I don't know. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of people. Find me some prompts here. I mean, okay, so what, we what could go in the way of... Yeah, I mean... Dead people... Or or people who are living. Let's keep it alive. Yeah. Then say, okay, you could go down like the comedy route, the acting route. You could go down the, like, I have a real question for this person about like a thing that we all talk about. I don't know. Right, okay. So in terms of comedy, who would it be? Bill Burr. Yeah. Yeah. I like Bill Burr. He's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or like his podcast. I feel like he is that like amazing thing that some like stand-ups have where like, I'm sure he's like calm with his family, but y- y- like that line of like, you hear him like on his podcast and he kind of just, that's just the way his brain, he has a funny brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's wired like that. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the funny thing about, about when you're, um, when you're a comedian, you just, you're actually, you are, you're different to other people. Um, you just, that's, that's the way your brain works. You're, you're observant and always the, the odd one out. Like there's, um, I went for, uh, for example, like I always thought I was, I was stupid, you know, um, in school and, uh, I went and got checked out for ADHD. It turns out I had ADHD and sometimes it's quite chronic, you know, just like I'm easily distracted. But again, it's, it's kind of, uh, I went for an IQ test and I did very well in, in verbal communicate communication. And, um, uh, yeah, so when I went back to Swinford and I met one of my teachers in school, I said, oh, look, I'm really sorry if I was a naughty kid in school. And she went, Martin, look, you're you're always a bright kid. Just a shit, just trying to get you to put the pen to paper. So I was like, story of my life. Yeah. But, um, so I think, I think a lot of comedians probably have something similar in, in that respect. Um, always kind of feel like the odd one out. I always kind of feel like being observant and watching how society functions, you can see society, but they can also kind of see you as being slightly the odd one out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting as well, like, um, that, because, I mean, you're hard to pin down in the sense that you, like, write, you act, you do comedy, in, like, I mean, in a really wonderful way. Like, and what's interesting is ab- just about that, like, people who see your work, like, have you found that they struggle sometimes to see the difference between, like, you and, like, Eddie or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, because like, the thing, the, the whole Hardy Books was only supposed to be, like, a, a one-off sketch. I didn't think we'd be still doing it, like, 10 years from now. And there's a, there's a lot of other projects I've wanted to get off the ground in the meantime. And, uh, yeah, it's just difficult because every time you you kind of set to get set down to get something else done, you're... Uh, it's like, oh, we haven't got time to do this. We have to do this other series of Hardy books. But, um, yeah, it's it's kind of, it, it's one character in a whole range of, of different things I can do. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been, we've learned a lot from it and made, made people laugh. And when people are into it, they really like it. What do you think of it? Are you a fan? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah I think it's great. Yeah. I was introduced nice. to it by my mates. And, um, but I mean, like, but like, like that, I could have, and like, before I met you, I probably fell into the trap of being like, oh, that's exactly what this dude is like. And he just put himself on camera with his mates and their gas. I mean, not really, because I'm also an actor, so I I totally get it. But I mean, it's a, it's really what it is, is a compliment to how well you did it, that it kind of felt like a documentary as more so than a, a a series. Yeah. It was just like playing it, playing it straight. Yeah. See, that's the, like when we first started off, we we didn't really have any plans for it. We we knew we knew it was what we were doing at the time was really funny, mm. and uh, we didn't think it would it would kind of go as as far as it's gotten, and um, yeah, like the, the 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 further it's gone, the more kind of self aware you become, and it's like oh can I say that oh I, know, I might get into trouble. Whereas like when we first started, you'd say anything because there was there was a kind of like a there was no stakes to it, and. Um, I think I think we just we did it for our own amusement. But then when it kind of comes to TV, you have like producers who are saying, "Oh, well, you can't say that," and then you kind of have to think more about how to craft a half-hour episode and get all the beats in there. Whereas before, it was just a series of kind of 
messy situations cut together. And when I look back at the the early stuff on YouTube now, it's like if you watch it through the eyes of someone from America and you're sitting watching it with them, you're kind of thinking, I wonder what's going through their head. Cause it, it it doesn't make sense, but it kind of, but if but it does in the in the comedy like a local parochial Irish comedy sense, people get it. And I think people liked it because there was no kind of uh, central thread. It was just kind of a whole, like a documentary. It's, ba it's basically like, okay, we're going to follow these guys through different events that unfold and try and piece the narrative together in post. Yeah. So that's kind of how it, how it felt. And like, it's because it's one of them interesting things because I, I hear what you're saying about like, yeah, when you're with like a network or whatever, a producer, and then you've got like, yeah, your beats to hit and think about like breaks or like act breaks, whatever that is. <clears throat> so like, did you feel that pull of being like, well, I don't want to, because I'm sure you obviously had that thing in your head, like I don't want to lose the essence yeah. of what it is, which is this kind of mental thing. How did you like reconcile that for yourself? Well, the, the first time we did the, the first series, that was a really big, uh, it was a really big jump because you know, it was only like in, in the grand scheme of TV, it was, it was a tiny, you know, low budget series. But still, you're kind of, it put a lot of pressure on us because we'd never been on TV before. It was like, oh God, here we go. And then all of a sudden, it went from being us and our mates who were filming it to we've now got professionals who are doing DOP and big productions. And it kind of felt like the first series we, we, struggled because the crew were just hired guns they came on and it kind of felt like oh how come Marty you've given money to these guys but we always knew how we wanted to do it so there was, there was uh, you always hear people going oh yeah that you know your YouTube stuff was better but that's just because we had carte blanche to do what we wanted but as soon as you go to TV like you have to compromise and uh, you know we, we we figured it out the further we went along I think the the last series we did there was a lot of production meetings where it was to and throwing and you know there was compromising and bartering the whole time whereas if we it, ideally if we had if we had a way where we we could do it with a low budget but we could just have complete control that's the way we'd rather do it instead of being given a whole load of money and then having to be constrained by the requirements you basically you have to you have to do what the money men tell you mm-hmm but you also have to remain true, so it's a it's a hard balance to strike. Yeah, and I mean, it, like it is that it is that interesting thing of like what the internet has done because, like as you said, that that was obviously like th such an important part of the story. But and like, you know, I could like because it it's that thing of then you see people you know who who do who would have got to where you got and probably just out of the fact they didn't have an interest from a company like RT, then they went and you see all these things like you know Patreon and all these yeah. different ways of like doing things now because you know I you know write and act and kind of do a similar thing in, in that sense um, and it's it's just interesting like how everyone's trying to navigate like their own yeah. way well they're cutting out the middleman yeah and, and I think I think it's it's like the same as um, record companies uh, I don't know if you ever heard of a guy called Stephen Albini he was uh, he, he produced Nirvana albums and he was I, I don't know who else <laughs> but I remember watching uh, I was sent a link he was talking about how the music industry worked and like in the let's say in the the in the 80s early 90s when when they switched from vinyl to cds the record first of all to make a demo in let's say it's in america to make a demo that was a very expensive time-consuming process that not many people were fortunate enough to get to that stage so saying that they get the demo and they get an a and r guy who signs them to a label um 
they would all have kind of the art, the guy who does the artwork would would also be connected to the distributor, would also be connected to the label. And basically they would just take the band, um, you know, put them through a process of doing all of their, their packaging and, and the imaging and everything, distribute it, and they would take massive cuts out of, out of what they were getting through sales. So then if they wanted a tour, or let's say if they wanted to sell their CDs abroad, they would, let's say they'd make 100,000 CDs, they would automatically knock off 20% of that as damaged goods. And, uh, you know, so it, this guy, Stephen Albini, which I, you should check it out. It's, it's very it's an interesting uh, seminar he does. Mm. But basically just he, he the, the point that he had about the internet, what it's done is it's brought the fans closer to the to the artist in a way where they've cut out the middleman. So things like Patreon or Indiegogo or Kickstarter, you're you're basically you're taking that direct link from the consumer to the the artist without the middleman interfering and I think it's it's great for you know purity in terms of what you're putting out content wise yeah do but we live in interesting times it is interesting times yeah. do you find it how like you know those conversations where you have to sit down with someone like a producer and like have those like are there certain things where you're like kind of unwilling to compromise on and then certain Absolutely. things where you're like okay like yeah I mean, there was there was times in the past where, like, sometimes the the you you like the thing is you know how it, you know how you want it to look and you know how people want it to look, and there's been times where I've nearly been in tears of frustration, just because it's like why can't you just let us do it this way? Um, but again, that that's the thing with TV. It's um, and I think that's why TV's starting to struggle now mm. in terms of it's it's uh, rivaling. You have small production companies who have who just put their, their material on on YouTube, for mm-hmm. example. Um, it's all about basically if if you have a TV channel which has advertising breaks in the middle, you have to appease those people who are paying for that space in between. So so you have to think of cliffs and hooks. So after part one, you have to you have to um, drop it off a cliff and then bring them in off the second half, and that is basically just to appease the people who are paying for advertising space. So you you find yourself you're you're doing something artistically to appease something that is for monetary gains. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, man. It's really, yeah, and it's probably really interesting for people. And I mean, yeah, it's just interesting to hear you coming from the background that you did with like just you know as you said, just a load of lads. Right, let's fire something up onto YouTube. Don't think about it at all. To them being like, all of a sudden, like we, we really need to think about this because if you don't have that right cliffhanger, no one's coming back. People are switching off during the ads. It's a, yeah, it's just yeah. this big. But I think I think it's really it's um people just I, mean, I I spend a lot of time on YouTube just watching bollocks all day. <laughs> I do I spend way too much time just like but I think that's um as we were talking earlier on about like Joe Rogan for example, you know, you've, you've just like the great thing is about YouTube is you can you can pick up useful information in minutes that previously you would have probably had to have gone to a library and and read a full book just to get the actual the kernel of information you needed mm. so I, th- I think th- there might even be a correlation between like anxiety and and the amount of information we have these days yeah because everyone seems to be more anxious and i think uh, because everyone is i suppose we're being bombarded with constant information and they, they always say like it was a, with a high iq there's a correlation with with anxiety as well because you actually you can you understand all of the negative things that are going on in the world mm. or 
you can understand what can go wrong in life. And I think, um, I don't know. I think, I think it's fucking going on tangents, mate. I'm sorry. No, I mean, <laughs> it, like this, I, I wish you knew the podcast to the point where like, this is what it is. It's yeah, just, I'm, yeah. a, bit, I'm a, bit, a bit serious today. Sorry. I oh, know that's all right. I mean, I mean, some of the questions here. We'll go for another spin, and you'll yeah. see very quickly. Spin the wheel. We'll spin the wheel. But um, I'm an awful man for going on tangents. I have to apologise for that. Oh no, that's literally what this is. I mean, in the minute, like tangent fest. I'll ask you about your opinion on James Blunt or something. Do you James know what I mean? Blunt. Yeah. <laughs> Love so, him. I mean, uh, right, number nineteen. Do you have that on your numbers? Number nineteen. No, unfortunately, don't have that. All right, here's a good one for you. Uh, have you ever? This sounds like it was planted. Have you ever? Or do you ever consider emigrating? Um. I live in Sweden, yeah. so uh, I've already done it. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, I don't know, it seems, it was just, there was nothing really going on here, so I moved over with the family to Sweden. So at what point in, so when you made like Heidi books and all, were you living here? I was back and forth, I've been, I've been living on and off 14 years in Sweden. Really? Uh, that was a random place I didn't think I'd end up in. And so how, how did that happen? Uh, I was living in Eos in Greece in 2003, I met these crazy gang of lads, and uh, I was involved with a friend of mine, Sasha, saving stray cats and dogs. And uh, I was going to go back to Ballyfermot and do television and film. But I didn't really I didn't really know if I was going to get in or not. And he goes, Oi, Martin, do you want to come to Sweden, yeah? I'm like, Sweden? He goes, yeah, it'd be great fun. You know, I'll take these dogs to Copenhagen and I'll get you to Sweden. So we went there. I, like, we were just knocking about, broke, <laughs> trying to get work for a couple of months. And I uh, met my ex-girlfriend then, it was back and forth to Ireland, and then broke up with her, went to New York for a while, and then went back on a holiday and met my wife over there then, so it's been back and forth since. Wow, man, yeah. so what was the thing, like, so, and so, I mean, obviously, like, the obvious question is, like, your accent, like, where's that from? Well, I was born in, near Liverpool, and, um, but my parents are both from Mayo, and they met, they met at the Dishko mm. back in the 60s. And then they went over. They were they were born in, or like my my sisters. My oldest sister was born in Liverpool. My other sisters, myself, were born near Liverpool in Merseyside. So I lived there till I was nearly thirteen. Then me, me mum and dad split up, and then my mum decided to move us back to Ireland because it was getting a bit rough over in England. Mm. And then it was kind of when we went to Mayo, it was a different kind of rough because that was like city rough. And uh, when we went to Mayo, I remember like I was going to school in the first week I was there, and it was just two massive lads just scrapping outside school and you could actually hear their like their you know like the air inside their diaphragm just like banging off the ground and knuckles scraping off concrete and I was like god man this is this is insane I've never <laughs> seen anything like this and it was a kind of like a it was like a real kind of rural heaviness to 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 it and like I was always a bit naughty like well, it wasn't, wasn't too bad mm. you know uh, but I was I was just a bit like just a bit kind of bored and you know, doing what kids do. And I, my, my grandmother would always be like, oh, what's this I hear about you being seen down the town? And I was like, how does everyone know this? I couldn't get it because I, I went from living in, in like a city environment where no one knows you to like all of a sudden you're in a small town and anything you do, it comes back. And I just, it took me a long time to, to get my head around it. And also the the other thing that I like, I kind of know, if you, do you ever listen to like, for example, uh, an American talk radio show or, or Howard Stern yeah. you know something like that and they're slagging people off but they're always going oh I met that guy yeah he was, the guy was a douche yeah I met that guy at uh, in the marquee club he was an asshole but in Ireland like people you can't you can't talk candidly like that 
and there's a great and, and, and in England people will kind of slag people off as well because it's so big and the chances of running into someone are small but like it took me it took me a kind of that was a hard lesson in kind of just being too open about what I thought and then uh, it coming back and I was like shit how do they know all this Who's been talking? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did did it feel like does that like because that could go one or two ways? Like it could feel like super restrictive, or you could kind of be like, oh, like I, I know everyone. This is great. The world is small. This mm. is brilliant. What way did it? Or a bit of both. Um, once I learned how to play by the rules of, of living in a small town, right? Um, it makes you it makes you diplomatic, and it, it kind of the, I think the best thing is, is when people who grew up in a small town, and then they move to the city, and then they both have knowledge of city life and small town life yeah. and you know whatever whatever country you live in i think it's all it's, it's always important to have because, because the thing is you'll have you'll have like a farmer who comes down from mayo and he's in dublin he's like up in dublin no you're gonna give me another nice steak and you know and, and he th- there could be like yeah can i get some money for a yard over the hostel you know and th- there's some sort of hustling situation that they might not be too privy to uh, or like, let's say they're going to like Dylan McGrath's restaurant or something, and they will, you know, they might they might be a bit uncouth when they're in there, but then they'd know how to work the land, and they'd know how they they they'd have generations of knowledge of, yeah. of how to kind of they prep the steak you're eating <laughs> like, exactly, yeah, you know, they uh, there's there's country knowledge and then there's city knowledge, and if you know both of them, that you know because. There's, there's there's guys I know from from Swinford who, when they're in Swinford, they're like, you know, the go-to guy. You know, they're, they're the pillar of the community. They're like wise sages. But if you like to drop them in the middle of like Amsterdam, they wouldn't have a clue what was going on yeah. when they're taken out of their environment. And I actually, I really, uh, I enjoy what like uh, studying people when they're out of their natural habitat and how they get on. I think that's that's something, that's the classic, you know, fish out of water story that a lot of comedy is um is based on so um yeah you say i don't want to go mention any names do you know what i mean yeah but uh no whatever man whatever works for you but i mean yeah. you, like so you kind of been constantly in that position i mean all right yeah so we talked a bit earlier about like you know as a comedian like naturally that's kind of where you go because i get like that self-analytical thing you're looking at the room you're seeing why this is kind of absurd whatever i, I get it so then but you're putting yourself kind of then uh like more physically into that position by like moving all around the place and constantly, you know, plunking yourself in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. Well, yeah, because I'm like, I don't like. Sometimes I feel like I, I don't really belong anywhere, you know. Um, but then you know, because it's like, like I've been living in Sweden for years, uh, and I, Ireland is always like my home primarily. But then I was, I was like, I, I spent the first twelve years of my life, and I still have in in England, and I still have like mem- re- really nice memories of like being young and. Um, so it's kind of like it's like three acts so far. It's like our um, Eng- England and Ireland, and then so because like my, my I think my teenage years, I think your teenage years are your most formative years because I think that's what kind of that's what sets you up for adulthood. And uh, I think I was I was very happy that my mother did take the decision to move us back to Ireland because it's uh, th- I mean it's it's it can be quite it can be quite a wild culture over here Ireland. Uh, but I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom to be to be uh, garnered as well. Mm. I think, I, think uh, I you know it, on the whole as a as a nation we're very friendly and, and uh, fun people, and sometimes it's it's a shame just to kind of see the way the I think the people are kind of 
getting a bit of a raw deal, especially with all this austerity that's continuing. A lot of people say that there's there's a boom in Dublin, but I think that's people who, I think people who didn't get caught last time and they managed to to keep hold of of their wealth are going to do all right. Whereas like the the homelessness that we have here in Dublin at the moment, it wasn't like nine people died of exposure this month alone. It's crazy. It's nuts. Like we shouldn't be living in in this day and age. You know, we have like the the heroin epidemic in Dublin's crazy as well. Sweden just kind of seems like a country that really has his shit together, especially when you look at things like the homeless here. Yeah. Is that fair? Uh, oh, big time, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, as well, the, there's that kind of a recent crisis with um, with beggars from um, Romani beggars. Uh, they've come to Sweden, but what's happened is uh, a lot of them come in gangs, and you had people who were on the... They'd basically sell the equivalent of the Swedish big issue outside shops mm. and they've been ran off their spots and they've been for there for like 20 years so sweden always pride prided itself on the fact that it had very little poverty but now all of a sudden you have like a lot of the the romani people are sleeping rough and and they're living in living in like forests and that kind of thing and the swedes out in stockholm they're like oh my god i can't believe i'm seeing this and i see that it's, it's kind of feels like um they're they're becoming a bit more hardened to it now. When when they when they first arrived on the scene, the the Swedes were like just like they're very generous and slight, slight, a lot more gullible than the Irish, for example. You know, in like in Ireland, we we have a like a lot. You can see the the problems with like homelessness and and heroin, for example, around O'Connell Street, and so everybody is it's a tough market or it's a tough. There's a lot of competition if you're a, a you know. An, a street urchin, should we say? Yeah. Uh, but but in 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 Stockholm now they're they're, they're starting to deal with with that very kind of uh, it was a very big problem. Mm. They don't know what to do with because they they have like camps set up and then the police are coming knocking them down and they don't really have any. I, I don't I don't think they have any any place to put these people. Yeah. And they're kind of like, well, how how do we deal with this? You know, it's like, do we do we send them back to where they came from in planes and. It's fucking weird, the whole thing. The whole thing is crazy. But, but like, they didn't... Homelessness wasn't that bad. I mean, obviously, people slept rough, but you, you've seen a lot more of it now mm. in Stockholm. So. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, and it's the weird thing in, in Dublin, like, because you're right. I mean, as someone who's um, 100% in no way wealthy, isn't, like, someone just kind of starting out and, like, you know, I'm in the first, like, kind of three years of, like, you know, renting in Dublin. And oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. It's almost impossible. Yeah. Like... I mean, I, it really... I mean, a friend of mine was showing me... Picture in on Abbey Street of uh, it just it was like a one bedroom with a bunk bed in it, and it was two thousand for a deposit, and it was like fifteen hundred a month. Man, it's I'm, insane. I'm not sure if I've told this story in the podcast before, but I'll I'll tell you. I was uh, at the start of last year, so I'm in my place now, almost a year. So around this time last year, I was you know viewing and just on daft at and looking. Anyway, found this place, Cable Street, double bedroom, looked cool, um, relatively spacious, looked nice. Went in met the dude um, he came outside he walked me up and we were chatting he seemed like a nice guy so he showed me the kitchen it was lovely he showed me like the bathroom grand he showed me where the other two lads were staying I was like there you go there you go grand and he went and so then this would be your room and this would be the bed that we would be sharing and and he wasn't he wasn't doing it in a creepy way he yeah. was doing it in a way like so it was 500 euro to share a bed because I was going to say that I seen on on Twitter someone put a picture up of uh, a bed that would be sharing and they had like this emoji this like little cushion it was like a cheeky face on it it was like I was like ah oh, this can't be serious they were actually sharing beds 
It's it's fucking nuts. Man. It's legit. He and he like with no and 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 I thought he was joking for a minute, and then I was like, oh no, he's completely serious. And like I what was. What did he look like? Uh, I mean, he was he was um I I think he was Pakistani. Yeah. I think because he was studying in Trinity, so you know, I and I think he just moved here, so he's obviously you know with his fees and all like. He was in good shape though. Yeah, he was. I mean, I would have <laughs> like no, uh, no, but he was um, he was a nice guy. He was like I'd say he was in his like late twenties and uh. But anyway, he, um, yeah, so, and he just, you know, completely, and I, I was trying to be polite, and obviously, like, was straight away mortified, because it, it, maybe it did say it on the, the ad, but I certainly, like, didn't God, that, that, it that How way. the hell, that must have been such a bizarre moment, like, it was when the, most the penny dropped. Because uh, then I, and I had to just. Were uh, you looking I, around for the other bed, going, where's the other bed? Yeah. But surely couldn't they have just, like, stuck another bed in there, like. I know, I mean, and that's the thing, like, I wasn't even looking to share a room, like, I just wanted my own room but like it's yeah. so crazy because if you want your own room in Dublin now like unless you get incredibly lucky you're talking like minimum like 750 something yeah. like that well this is what I was saying like if you if you didn't get caught out in, in the in the in the first crash or the crash of, of 08 and you managed to keep hold of property you're you're sound but if, if you if you're finding yourself in a position where you have a family and you need to rent in Dublin how the hell are you supposed to get anything saved? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you're you're working just to pay the rent, you know. Like, what, what it's like, minimum, it's like 125 a week. Yeah. Like, you've got people who are just moving in with their parents, and I don't blame them because they're better off. I mean, why why would you bother living in a place like you know, like a shoebox with about three other people? I mean, I I, th I think it's it's uh it's undignified as well. Yeah, I, mean, there's, there's, I I don't I actually I I really wish I I knew more about how to regulate it or, or find out where where the money's going. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if there's... there's you see, the, that's the good thing about Stockholm when it comes to, to housing. They have... Uh, like, it's a bit annoying. Well, okay, I'll, I'll basically, I'll start off by saying there's two contracts you get. One of them is, is called a first-hand contract, which is like a, a long-term... If you get a first-hand contract and it's a rental, even though you don't actually own the, the property itself, you as good as own it, but you lease it. And then the second-hand contract is if you sublet a contract that you have a first-hand contract on, and um, and then you get people who like like sublet the sublet apartments. But uh, if you want to get a first-hand contract, you have to wait in a queue. Sometimes these queues, you could be in it for like twenty years. Like people put people put their sons and daughters down when they're born for an apartment, and then about twenty-five years later, it's like, oh yeah, congratulations, here's the apartment, and it's in a really nice part of town, and the rent is low. So they have a thing in Stockholm where you can't buy more than one apartment in the city. But I'm sure there are ways around that. But yeah. whereas in Ireland and England, your property portfolio, it, 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 there's no limit to it. There's no cap. So basically, it's the more money you have, the more property you have. Mm. Therefore, you can have a monopoly over the property. Yeah. And I think that is, that's what's causing the, the problem primarily is... is there's no cap and also i think airbnb as as great as it is for tourism i think that's that's pushing a lot of people out of properties as well because people are just renting out their property on airbnb and it's a lot less fuss than having someone in there mm. so i really hope that that dublin gets its um its housing crisis sorted out because it's, it's nuts like it's desperate where's it gonna end I, that's the thing i don't yeah. know i i, I don't know because it's only going one way and it's, yeah. it's just going up so even when you can afford it now you're like a year but even know. london as well like london's terrible as well i mean mm. and the thing is the property isn't even that like i mean the like the 
a lot of property is, is, is really kind of it's shit, you know? Yeah. It, for want of a better word, it's, it's like it's, it's condensate. Like, I've, I've been to some place where there's like blue mold here in Dublin on the walls, and, and a friend of mine was living in a place in Harold's Cross. They had to they have to leave because the entire wall was just covered in black mold. Not you know that's the kind of stuff that gives you pneumonia. Mm-hmm. It's like you know it was 2015 at the time, and 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 there were people paying top dollar just to stay in a place like that. You know. Yeah, man. It's ridiculous. It's mental. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no standards to. I mean, there's, there's it doesn't seem to be any kind of quality control or anything. It's just like oh, here, here's a space, move your stuff in, and that'll be 125 quid a week. You know, right? Shame we don't own property. I know <laughs> we do own a bingo machine though, so okay, we'll give that a spin. <laughs> right, uh, number twenty-two. Do you have it? No, don't have twenty-two. You had twenty-one, but no use. Cheers. Um, do you, yeah, yeah. What would the title of your autobiography be? Um, that's a good one as well. Pretty much the good questions. Yeah, should be a chat show host. I know. I'm telling you, <laughs> better than Tuberty anyway. <laughs> um. Imagine if I was to say, I did it my way. <laughs> what a cliche title. Um, Thanks for the Memories by Martin Maloney. Yeah, yeah. I don't even speak like that. So. <laughs> oh. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers isn't bad. Not bad. Cheers pretty good. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, yeah, you have to decide what way you're going to go with it. Like, are you going to go, you know, the... The Martin Maloney like tells all is it's just like a light-hearted look at your, uh, you know, I mean you know you'd have a pretty good you've a good story, yeah, I do yeah, uh, Martin Maloney, it's been a wild ride, <laughs> but, but not that, Ollie Reed wild, but I mean it, that makes it sound like you have to like kill yourself at the end of it or oh, something exactly yeah yeah how about Peaks and Troughs <laughs> by Martin Maloney, a series of disappointments and mild highs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's pretty good. That's exactly what it says in the tin. Yeah, I'm such a. Yeah, I sound very pessimistic. No, I don't. It's a good. It's a good question. I wouldn't mind doing an autobiography one day. Maybe when I'm an old man, just sit back and. That's the thing. It must be one of them things that no matter then who. You're fucked then if you have Alzheimer's then because you. Yeah. Yeah. So. You well, actually, it's hard to remember everything anyway. Keeping a diary is a good start. Do you do that? No, but I suppose in we kind of. We keep a diary through having social media yeah. nowadays, I suppose. So it's um, yeah, it, it, it kind of uh, it puts the, it, it chronicles events. Like if you you're probably in like a WhatsApp group where you'll be sent like memes or pictures of of current events, and then you go you go up the thread and you can kind of it takes you back in a chronological order to different points of the year, you know. Mm. But isn't it funny like how your brain chooses to remember like certain parts of your life and then like so mm. much of it you just don't remember but when you're a baby you know like you remember you remember nothing you know it's like uh like i've got i've got kids and it's like when when you're when when they're really small you're like you sp- spend so much time with them and you know there's so much love and affection there and and you go through so much like getting them dressed and learn you know teaching them how to walk and feeding them and, and going through all these new experiences with them and they'll remember nothing, none of it. They won't remember cleaning nappies or, you know, sleepless nights. None of that. It'll just yeah. be, uh, yeah. I think that the brain, the memory will probably come on at some harrowing memory at four, yeah, like scraping the knee or something. But like, but it's amazing how if you didn't do, like, for example, right? My mom's adopted, okay, and she always says like that, like she, 
you know, being adopted just leave like she's a, a absolutely wonderful person, but it leaves certain scars because like as you does, said, yeah. she doesn't remember any of it. But just like that feeling of not having someone to teach her yeah. to do those things or not having someone to hold her in those like you know. Did she ever meet up with her parents? She tried, but the, the and she it's really difficult because she mm. was, you know, she's in her um, early fifties, so it's really difficult for her to track it down because of records, was it? Because of records, because again, bad bad bookkeeping. Yeah, 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 and like the church like really made an effort for that all to be covered up in it but she managed to like years and years of finding her mom and she found her mom and then her mom just couldn't deal with it so like kind of said no they wrote a couple of letters um and she has no interest and yeah and which i think is that's the most offensive yeah i can imagine part yeah. about it all because usually you'd, you'd you'd expect the the parents are trying to get in touch with the the children mm-hmm but um, but for the yeah, that that must have been awful. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was just like it was like the last little bit of rejection because I think inevitably yeah. when that happens to you, you just always have a little bit of like a complex about rejection and yeah, you just absolutely. feel rejected in the world. And then so when like she went to all the, and like I mean I suppose on some level when you go to all that effort and it was a lot of effort for it's like in search of this acceptance and then when that's like turns into another rejection, it's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Um. So th- that's it. Like she won't. She won't go back again. No. I mean, and it, like it's that weird thing. And it, it's even on a real practical level because she, you know, my mom's obviously a mother, and she like just things like you know allergies or like is there like you know heart condition that runs yeah, in the family. Exactly, yeah. Like it, it's actually quite practical. And I think that's what she really struggles with. And then like at a certain level, yeah, I think she just had to like let well, it's go. It's lineage, isn't it? You know, it's it's yeah. like your your whole your whole history is. I mean, it's it's effectively erased, you know, and that's the other thing with with, like, for example, if if we wanted to trace our family tree. I mean, like, uh, there's there's you know, my parents are are all, from. Their own parents, you know, there's, there was no adopted parents, um, but like even still, how far can you trace that family tree back because of like. Place burnt down in the eighteen hundreds. You can only go so far back. Mm-hmm. So I can. So I can imagine even for you know her, herself, it must be really difficult to kind of want to know. Well, I suppose she can effectively go back, but it kind of feels like her adoptive parents were more important anyway. Yeah, well, one hundred percent. Yeah. So that's kind of that's what like. So yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're, and I think like on some level there must be this even like heightened sense of love because it was that like that they. How do you say? It? Like it wasn't like because parenthood is something that's kind of like thrust upon you in a sense. Whereas theirs is very choiceful. Like they had mm. to literally go to a home and like pick a little bundle of baby. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, there's 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 a lot to be said for you know, it's it's um, it's a great thing to do to give like uh, there's a lot of it going on in Sweden actually. You, you see a lot of people who are adopted from India, Sri Lanka, Brazil, and uh, you know, there was a. I think there was a, a big adoption program that was that was going on. Actually, recently enough, I seen two parents about my own age with uh, an Asian child they'd adopted. So it's um, you know, it, it's it's. I think it's a great thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, it's um. In terms of like having kids like yourself, like you know the way I was talking about this with with a friend, and neither of us had kids, and we were like. We're kind of talking about like, oh, is that something I want to do? But the, and like the main reason that like you want to do is because everyone says it's like just the like the most incredible like feeling of love that you'll ever feel yeah is it true yeah it is uh, there's a lot of hard work to it and you sacrifice a lot and and but the, uh, but in turn you you completely sacrifice 
the you 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 are forced to take yourself out of the picture and and you have to put uh, these new people before everything else and before before like I had my daughter I was like oh god how am I going to cope with this you know and it's like Jesus this is expensive uh, and, and I used to always wonder like how my own parents were so generous to me as a kid I was like how, why how I could never get my head around like how must it feel just giving money away selflessly so you know it's like it's it's a, technically a financial kids are a, they're a financial liability you know you're not you're not, you're not going to unless like later on you're like ah oh, thanks for looking after us here's a load of money I've, I've made it big yeah but uh yeah you you, you get you, you learn so much more about yourself than than you ever expected and um i think it's 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 one of the, the finest gifts you can be given in life but it's also that worry of like oh you've just got to do the best you can cuz you just you, you don't want to you don't want to fuck it up for them, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and that's the thing about what you realize about your own parents. Like when you're a kid, you think your own parents know it all, and anything that they did wrong, you would you'd be like, oh, they should have known better. But then you realize when you get to a certain age that no, everyone kind of we're all we're all here, uh, you know, on the earth for a certain amount of time, and we're all here to to learn some you know fundamental lessons as as we're here and pass that knowledge on. And you know, if if you look at to your own parents when they were this age, or or you look at your own parents when you were a kid, and they seem so, um, so wise and so omnipresent, and then when you get older, you realise didn't really know that much at all, and and everybody's kind of struggling to, to grasp what's going on in the world. Yeah, it's that weird transition, isn't it? Like of because when you're like <coughs> like your kids probably look at you like. God, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's like when when I was a kid, like I just asked my dad questions, and he seemed he used to know everything. And then I remember when I was like in my late teens, and I was like, oh, he doesn't know anything. Like you'd be watching, like, oh, he doesn't have a clue about these Nikes, or you know, just. But then you realize when you get older, like it goes back to yeah, he does know a lot, and uh, all that other stuff that I thought I was cool, Blink One Eight Two, you know, <laughs> like yeah. all this shit, like it's just it, nonsensical pop culture. Yeah, like and. Yeah, you, 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 like there's there's a lot. I mean, it's in society these days. I think everybody's looking to youth culture and they want to stay young. And I think there's there's a hell of a lot to be to be learned from from the older generation. You know, there's uh, the, like I think in the West we, we're always putting off the idea of of uh, of mortality and the fact that we're growing old and, and you know we will die mm. and it's, it's depressing and it's one of those things that you're like when you're busy going about your day to day you're you're you you'll be caught off guard like when you're going to bed and i go fuck i'm actually going to die one day and that's a very real that's a very real thing and whether or not there is something after this remains part of the mystery you know if you're if you're buddhist if you're christian if you're hindu Scientologist, mm. you know, everybody has their own um, idea of, of life and death. But uh, I think I, I read in I read about in the Art of War by Shun Tzu in the back they were talking about um, the Taoist monks would go to like basically uh, where they would take the those the people who couldn't afford to be buried. They they basically it was like a like a tip for bodies but they used to go there and look at these m morbid sites 
just so they wouldn't be attached to things, material things in this world. Because um, in the West, we're so busy trying to acquire material wealth that that we're just we're letting time pass. And I think it's really important. Like mindfulness is is important. And I don't really practice it half as much as I should do, but. Mm. How often do we go through things in life being like, oh, I've seen this before, this is boring, oh, what's on, what's this on the phone instead? Whereas we, we need to embrace the dull moments. And even if they are boring, it's it, it, it all has substance and value to it. And I think that's the thing with technology, we're kind of, it's just, e it's, it's easy just to, you know, look at something they're like cigarettes. They're like like a phone is like a cigarette. Like you know, it's like if you're at a bus stop, it used to be light up a cigarette, but now everyone's just on the phone. When you look around you, imagine if you'd, imagine if you'd gone away, let's say Borneo for the last ten years, and you and you hadn't had any contact with Western civilization, and all of a sudden you came back to Dublin, like you'd look around, you'd be like, what's going on here? Like everyone's on the phone, like. I was in Oxford Street in in um, Tottenham there a couple of years ago. I was just everyone was just on the phone, and, and I was kind of like, imagine if it was like invasion of the body snatchers, and everyone's just all of a sudden being consumed by their mobile device. I just thought this is fucking weird, man. What, what where's it going to be in another ten years' time? That's what I was going to ask you. Like that's the thing. Like like you you talked about earlier, like the like the AI stuff. Like yeah, AI, man. That that's um that's really frightening. That's real. Because here's the thing. If it's in the wrong hands, it's 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 terrible. I mean, like we like you already. All you need to do is just look at the the military industrialization complex, and you look at what's going on geopolitically. And with that kind of technology in the wrong hands, you know. Funny, do you know someone who who kind of uh, got me thinking a couple of years ago? I remember everyone was like, "Oh, look, Jim Core was on the Brendan O'Connor show, man. He's, he's that lad's fucking tapped." Mm. But I remember some, but uh, you know, Jim Core is into the the conspiracy stuff, and I actually would look into that quite a lot. I find it very interesting. But I've always been like into kind of supernatural and all that kind of stuff. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to have this magazine called X Factor. It was before that Simon Cowell shite, but it was it was all about like the Chicaprica, Loch Ness, Loch Ness monster, and UFOs and all that kind of thing. So I always kind of found that quite interesting. Me too, yeah. It was, it was a bit of crack, like. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. People who like conspiracies like, theories like like fun. I yeah. mean, like if you like really, really believe them, that's a different thing. But like yeah. they're really fun. Yeah, Alex Jones. Yeah, God, that guy, man. But uh, no, Jim Core. He's, he mentioned something saying how basically technology will be used to kind of uh, keep us all kind of in a way, in essence, kind of uh, locked into a grid. And if you look at it now, everything. Like in Sweden, especially, everything is done through the mobile phone. Your bank is done through that. Everything, like they also have a thing over there called a uh, Peshon number, which is a like a the PPS number. But if you want to go into a shop and you and you want to buy like a a phone, for example, they'll. I mean, any shop. I mean, you can go into like um, go into a chemist. Um, even if you're buying like a TV, they'll want to know your personal number, and that's all connected. So. I could I could go into a shop and and I could give you my number and you'll get my details, credit rating and all that kind of thing. So they lock that in with the phone and then you have um it's like basically a three D profile of you on between your phone, your bank, your security number. You know, and I just kinda of feel like I don't know, I just don't like the idea of uh sometimes you kinda of feel like it'd be nice just to piss off somewhere for like a month. Just like 
in Alaska. Yeah. I just know that you're up there and you're you're away from civilization, but at the same time, you wouldn't have sushi bars. And well, that's a pity. Yeah. But again, look, you're, you're right. Like it's like a step away from being like microchipped, and like yeah. they'll always but, know where you yeah, are. Yeah, and that's that's uh, like, I I really I I don't think um I think people are walking into this blindly, and I think uh, I mean, I, I I really don't think people are aware of of what AI is is going to bring in the future. Mm. Like we've al- we've already seen the, like the postal service is gone, um, you know as we discussed earlier on the communications industry like the next thing to go will be drivers or you know like with driverless cars i mean uh, that's a lot of men i mean there's a lot of you know people are talking lately about people being depressed but that's because technology is coming in they go to a supermarket and it's self-checkout or you know uh you go to the bank now you don't even you don't even speak to someone at the bank it's just like you lodge your money i went into to put money into the bank in sweden i was changing some euros went into the bank oh we don't take money it's like what do you mean you're a bank no we only do it on a tuesday between 10 and 2 and i was like that's ridiculous where am i supposed to go well you have to go to the forex and change your money and then walk all the way down the road into a shopping center and lodge it at a machine so so what would have just taken me a minute to do had turned into an an, an hour long ordeal and because uh, they don't want they don't want cash and Sometimes it's handy just to like, you know, you you pay on on card and then you get your, you can kind of when you when you at the end of the year and you do your tax return, just give them the bank statement and go there you go. So that's that, but uh, it kind of takes everything is traceable, you know. It's um, there's no kind of like doing handy little jobs like let's say if you're a musician and you you, you do a job in a pub and you get like 150 quid for it, that has to be invoiced now, and they're basically doing it in such a way where everything you do there's a, a paper trail for it and i think that's that's the thing like it's almost now in sweden it's a, it's an inconvenience to have cash it's becoming like uh you go into it there's some restaurants they won't take cash now what yeah there's a sushi place near me speaking of sushi and it's like uh yeah we don't take cash only card there's loads of places like that now like what's and it's interesting what you're saying and it only sparked in my head about you know like how everything is becoming like computerized you know the way like it'd be real common for like you know our generation to say like oh there's a bit of an awkward conversation like you just have like have an awkward exchange like uh, and I can't imagine like for example talking about like you know older generations I can't imagine my granny ever really saying that it's because like they had to have so many conversations yeah. about like awkward things like yeah. in the post office you're trying to work out how to get a parcel from like Dublin this week, whatever it yeah. might be. So having all these little, and you learn from that. You learn from that. Yeah. Whereas we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. So like now, like just little conversations just become awkward because we don't really know how to do it. Oh yeah, I'm glad you noticed that because I noticed in Stockholm, like, like I'm usually pretty pretty good at keeping the chat going, and like I'll find myself talking to people, and after a while, they'd be like, "Shit, am I not stuff to say? God, this is awkward." Yeah. You know, and I was like, "Is it me? Am I awkward? All right, I'm a bit awkward, but." I think, and then they come back to Ireland. Then I was like, "Hey, how's it going, man?" I was like, "No, it's not me. It's definitely them." Yeah. Um. But yeah. Th- but that's that's Stockholm for you. I mean, that's it's uh, it's dark for like half the year almost. Well, you know, it gets dark at about now. It's dark at about like half two in the afternoon. Wow. So you're in you're indoors most of it, unless you actually get out of the house. It yeah. Could, but sometimes like after January, it could be like minus fifteen and it's dark and you're just indoors all the time. So I think we're it's an isolated place anyway. But um, but I think I think. Technology uh, replacing jobs definitely, as you say, it takes away those kind of th- those random chats you have with people, and I think 
to be isolated too long isn't a good thing. Like, let's say if you're doing freelance work and you're a web designer, you're just going to be sat at home, which seemed like back in the day where it was like freelance, brilliant. I can just like work on my own terms. But the, if you go to a workplace, at least you're going to meet people and you'll be interacting with people on the way to and th from work. And I think that's always good to kind of keep you in touch with 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 the wider community. Whereas I think uh, we have all this kind of, everyone's like talking on social media and, you know, and it kind of feels like it's it's an, it's an artificial mm. interaction. I think people need to get out and, and just mingle more. And I think the Irish, are, we're good for that, like, but. Well, like talking about all that, do you ever have like, two-part question, do you ever fantasize or would it be realistic for you to bring like your family to here where it sounds like there's a little bit more of that at least, like to bring them to Ireland, is that a thing? Um, I mean, I, I think I, I would probably be, I'd be happier in Ireland, but again, it's kind of, Sweden, things, it's kind of like, if, if Ireland had the, the infrastructure that Sweden has, it, because the thing is, you're kind of thinking, the Swedes can be a bit fusty sometimes, because everything is done so meticulously mm -hmm. whereas in Ireland it's like ah, I'll be grand yeah, yeah yeah and that the people are more laid back because of that <laughs> like it, and, and I think that's the price you pay for having everything like if you look around for example if there's a new building here in Dublin you'll you'll see after like a couple of years it'll be kind of mossy and it'll there's no one paid to do that job of, of maintenance like I, for example I was in Ranelagh yesterday and I went to the the train station or the Lewis line and it was filthy you know there's like trash everywhere pigeons shitting everywhere <laughs> and you know it was filthy and I was like no whose job is it to kind of to clean that up is that a result of the fact that there's there's not enough money in circulation here in Ireland to pay someone to do that or is it the fact that those jobs haven't been delegated um, whereas like in Sweden let's say you rent an apartment first hand contract or you buy the place you still have to pay a maintenance bill to the for the upkeep of the area but for that what you'll get is um, central heating which comes from then the clever thing they, they have in Sweden is let's say they have like an industrial area that's all powered off the same source of power any any surplus energy or heat that's produced in those factories will be sent to the nearby apartments to heat them mm. or to heat the shops where you know it's I think they're very conscientious about how they they manage energy and, um, and like, insulation is it, is it them smaller details that are the things that are like keeping you there well not really it's just like the, i think my wife just like she had enough of ireland like and she just said like you know like i i had a bit of a i had a bit of a hard time a couple of years ago because i ended up in a, in a court case for fighting bouncers at a gig right and uh the whole thing was blown out of proportion and i don't know i, just, I got very depressed afterwards and, and i kind of retired from the public eye for a while and um at that stage i just thought like yeah, maybe a change is good, mm. and uh, yeah, it keeps me, it keeps me hungry over there. And, and the fact is, like, I live a normal life. You know, I, I just kind of no one recognizes me. It's kind of, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's kind of nice to to have two two places, you know. So. Uh, and in terms of when you're over there, like, do you, like, is when you're over there, is it all prepping for the the gigs that you do back here? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right. So, so I, like, I work from there and. And I come back and work, like I'll, I'll do my prep over there and I'll and I'll film over here, and uh, 
the acting game yeah that was that was that's a tough one isn't it oh uh, yeah i mean yeah. and in terms of over there like so obviously like as in like, you seem like pretty proficient with like accents and stuff so is there like work for you over there or is it like a lot of like self-taping for gigs here yeah a lot of self-taping for gigs here and also um there is there's a, i think there's a production coming up in sweden and i'm with uh like a casting agency over there and i spoke to a, a lady on vikings the other day who said that she was a swedish woman she was asking about me and it turns out the agency i'm with she knows the one of the owners of it so i might go in and have a chat yeah absolutely man so uh but i think the, act, the acting's all look it's all been the right place the right time and it's like even with the hardy books for example that that was like that was just as youtube kind of kicked off i think beforehand it would have been very difficult for us to have got the word out mm. i mean like if, if we taken that to rte with that content in the beginning i mean that sto storyline was 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 actually a very novel idea at the time and I, I think and that again that's about look because it was simon keenan who was our cameraman he told us about storyland and we would never have known about it so who knows what would have happened mm. if we didn't go for storyland and then we ended up winning it which we didn't even think we were going to get into it never mind get into the top 10 and then win it um yeah so it's but you know there, there's been things like that whole court case debacle that 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 um that stopped us from doing a sequel really yeah and that that, that put us back financially for about two two three years because it had a knock-on effect on everything and just because like the whole thing could have could have easily been just sorted out with a handshake yeah and there was false accusations put in and that's the other thing about you know don't believe everything you're told in the papers right because good news doesn't sell so um, and do you think that was only happening because they knew that you were a person of interest to the public oh, yeah. well, well well i mean the guys involved i think they they thought well there's no question about it like they they were going to get a payout yeah i mean one guy wasn't even in the room and he said i kicked him in the teeth <sighs> so how is that possible right and i and I, again i could have i could have countersued at the end of it because it was it was defamation of character but i just thought you know i've had enough of it I was just glad that I could get on with my my life, you know. And mm. uh, I have to say, credit to the to the solicitor and the barrister. They really they were great guys, you know. They they were like they were like the, the people I was. They were like my, the main dudes to talk to for that that time. And yeah, I'll always be forever grateful to them. It must be the most strange thing to like, because I mean, you're the only person who really knows what happened. I can't imagine what it's like when you're. As you said, defamation of character. When your your literal character, which is kind of all you have in this world, is being called in the question. Yeah, it, it was. Um, you know, you'd have sleepless nights, and then the other thing is as well. Like down in Mayo, there was a lot of people. Like it was, it was on the local radio, and like any time we do anything, it's like oh, it's on the radio again, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's just. You'd meet people, and they'd be like, "Oh, I, I heard about, I heard something about that," but you, but you know well that they it would have been big news at the time. At, at the end of the day, it was. It was a, it was a misunderstanding and a bit of a scrap, mm -hmm. and uh, I got arrested, and yeah, it was like it happens down the country all the time, and it did need to happen if you know it was, it was down to bad communication, and uh, yeah, so that kind of that was a real lesson to me. Like yeah, don't like when you read about someone else who's gotten into bother, you always need to, if you're if you're reading anything, it doesn't matter what it is, you need to have discernment. You can't just take things at face value because people can write whatever they want and it's up to you as uh, 
how you interpret it that to be honest with you yeah and the problem is that like what what you're asking for is completely reasonable it's also like slightly more work so people always want to do the easy thing right so it's so easy to just read like da-da-da-da headline and then go oh like so-and-so did da-da-da-da headline yeah which is so I, and, and the thing is it's just kind of like for, from for the for the casual observer it's like oh yeah it's not it's not big it's just like you'd read about someone in a bit of bother and it's like oh right and the next page you become their line in the cage or like the, the, sorry the person in the cage with the line you know what I mean yeah. like the media will just like yeah tear up like you know because you stop being a person and you start being a story or yeah. a, you know a, like a, an opportunity to sell an ad online you know whatever if they get a good clickbait sentence about you know you being in court or whatever yeah sure yeah yeah it was it was a, it was a, an educational experience anyway absolutely yeah but I mean what's what's great like it but What's what would the the tragedy of that would have been if it like stopped you from doing like what you do, which it hasn't done? Yeah, and that's it set us back though. Sure. Yeah, it did. It set, and, and I and I felt bad about that because um, you know, of course, it would happen to me. You yeah. Know? Um, and you're a team, so like, if yeah. it happens to you, it affects your mates. Yeah, and, and but you know what? They were they were all they're all very supportive through it, and they could they they seem like the emotional toll it took on me because you'd be in bed at night and you'd be like turning over these hypothetical cases where it's like order order overruled you know all this cracking yeah yeah and I, again i kind of felt like i was painted out to look like some sort of some sort of uh well i wasn't painted out to look like it was just that the first paper was like hardy brooks actor assaults three men in pub like it did there was no context to it it was like ooh, he's dangerous yeah you know i thought it was beyond danny dyer's deadliest men there like and what what actually happened, or is that not good to talk about? Or um, a misunderstanding at top of stairs, uh, a security guard was quite rude. Um, yeah, there was. I was kind of like asking to go back to the stage. Uh, a bit of an altercation broke out, and uh, ended up getting arrested. Mm. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to go into it too much. To no, of course, yeah, just because it's, it's all leave it be. Yeah. In the past, exactly. But uh, yeah, but I mean, like, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because I don't want to like degrade like um, what you're saying that it it, it took an effect. Because of course, it on you and like uh, on what you guys do. But I'm just saying, like, it would have been shit if it was like, all right, and like, then so these people who blew this up at a portion because they knew there was a payday coming, then they would have won if you didn't if you weren't kicking in the Bowery and rap minds and have a few hundred people and having a great time. Yeah, they would have like they would have won and like. Com- yeah. Comedy would have lost, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. You know. Yeah. So you, you just you just gotta you just gotta keep the head up and and uh, keep going. What were the uh, things that like kept you going through the shit time? Uh, I just don't know. Really, just just get get my name cleared. Really, you know. It was. Uh, but again, it was it, like it's, it wasn't really that much of it. Wasn't really that big of a deal. It was just like, you know. Um, yeah, but you know it, that's the thing. Like, if you, I remember hearing about Brezzy a couple of years ago. Like, he, uh, he got, he said like, weed was acceptable, and then the papers were like, "Oh my God, how could you say that?" But it's it's a real, real double standards because you know that most of those journalists smoke, you know, and and I think like, like I mean, all you need to do is just look around you. What's going on? Use your eyes. I mean, every like, I think we've we've more serious issues like there's cocaine's everywhere in in Ireland these days. Like cocaine has become just like, you, you like, it's just become part of general jokes. Yeah. But like, you know, the, the, there's a serious 
like you know we're looking at a serious potentially serious epidemic of of cocaine use and especially down the countryside i've heard like stories of people who are getting in debt over it you know i mean that that used to be for for like ponces in the in the white collar sector yeah now you've just got like teenagers who are getting their hands on cocaine i mean what, what the hell is that going to do to society in a couple of years yeah, and it, you're right because it is one of them taboo things. Like you don't really know how to talk about that. Mm. Like, but you you can in Ireland. Like you can talk about like the fact that people have a fucked up relationship with drink. Whereas like cocaine is this like weird new thing. And like I I think it's because like all of our parents and grandparents would have drank. So like yeah. we know that this is a thing. Whereas like uh, that was way less common in like past generations with like cocaine. Yeah. Whereas, like, I completely agree with you. Like, I see it all the time. And, I like, it, it's still, like, I, it's still... Like you go into a toilet in the pub and it's just, you can hear people, you know, it's, and it's like, nobody's, I mean, you'll, you'll just see people just going like this, just in the street, you know? It's Literally a, in the street. And then, like... Literally have me this weekend. Yeah. Somebody don't know that well and they just, like, I'm just going to take out my key. And I was like, and but I, it's, it's so casual. So casual. And you see, like, your man, was it Sam Smith? Like, he was, he was caught, the, I seen in the paper yesterday, it was like, Sam Sniff. Oh, and it was like it's just but like if you look at the likes of Peep Show where uh, you know Peep Show was always because I remember watching Peep Show going bloody hell they, they talk about cocaine like it's really casual uh, but I, I guess in London it has it has been a, a part of you know culture mm. and uh, you know that bit where where uh, Mark says to Superhands you alright Superhands Spent a, spent a weekend looking in the mirror, Mark. Doing a bit of soul surgeon, were you? No. Cocaine, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> this crack is so Moorish. Man. But Peep Show is fucking brilliant. That's, that's uh, definitely one of my, my favourites. Yeah, Peep Show is yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, what having done... Like, cause yeah, like that, cause I'll be, my, my like as an actor and a writer and whatever, my thing that I would love to have is a is basically what Hardy Books was. It, it's a different vibe as what I do, but like that thing of like having a show that you kind of write and are in, like that's that's my bag. Like for you now as someone who's going in and making other people's stuff and you're know, being part of Vikings or Damon yeah. and Ivor, is that still? But is your like real pure juice is it like making your own stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what advice yeah. would you give to like? You know, someone in my shoes, like looking to do what you guys did. Just get a good crew. Um, always keep the vision in your head, and sometimes you know things will come in the way, but always, always chip away at it and and uh, be enthusiastic about it. Because my problem is, I'm I'm, I'm one of my own worst critics. Like I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm like yeah, I'm, I'm a complete bastard to myself. So it's like you need to, uh, you need to kind of just say, all right, it's good enough. You know, you know. Because there, there's people out there who they're making things. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of shit out there nowadays in terms of comedy. Mm. I mean, um, and people are making a, a living out of it, and they don't they don't lose any sleep going, oh god, oh, maybe if I'd used a better inflection of my voice in that scene, you know, it's like they don't give a shit. Like, and but they and that's the thing. I think I think don't navel gaze too much. And I, I think I've been guilty of that and procrastinating out of like fear of success. You know, it's kind of like it's 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 easier to to not do something than it is to do it. And I think if if it really if it's really what you want, then you have to just get the people around you who can make sure they can see that through to the to the end. If you can't do it yourself, employ someone who will just make you do it until you get it done. Yeah. 
like uh even with this this tour we're doing now like i asked my friend chris um who we call the henchman i said i, I thought he's the perfect man for the job and uh in the furnace to me he's, he's been working like round the clock just to get it and i thought wow yeah I, I couldn't have done it as well. Well, all of us wouldn't have done it as well without that centralized figure, who who just pulls everything together. Yeah. And I think we were kind of, we were doing a lot of live stuff without somebody employed just to take care of all of the, the audio visuals, the cues, making sure everything is there at the venue. You know, the, his job is 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 really important. And I think if you're starting off, and you want to get into, you want to get into acting and TV. Well, obviously get a good agent and if you want to do something yourself get a good crew of people who share the same vision as you and who will get stuff done and do you want to do this by yourself or do you want to do it with a group yeah I like to write by myself but I've got a really I've got a person who's an amazing pair of eyes and a really good like critic so to speak and you know probably yeah. plays a really good producer role nearly and someone who's honest you know someone yeah. who, who basically because there's nothing worse than when if you'll say is that any good and they're like ah oh, that's grand just because they don't want to upset you but someone someone who just basically will just tell you exactly how it is that's the person that, that that's the the person you want but then again you don't want someone who's too harsh either you know yeah you've got to find yeah. no you're but you're right there's nothing worse than when you're like yeah but you could have also not read that based in your comments you know what I mean because you want yeah you, like because inevitably your fantasy, I always say, like, your fantasy when you give something to someone is that, like, they're going to come back and say it's perfect. But the reason you're giving it is because you know yourself it's not. Yeah. So, like, you know, you want to, yeah, exactly, find that balance of, like, not wanting to, like, crush your soul where you just want to throw it in the bin. But, I mean, maybe sometimes you need to hear that as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, but sometimes you do. I mean, you've just got to, you just got to keep at it until, until you get it right. Um, and the good thing is, like, you can, peep, like, technology in terms of, uh, camera equipment and all that—that's that's that's a lot more accessible. It's 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 uh, it's it's pretty simple to use. Like you can do you can do so much with so little nowadays. Mm -hmm. And with the likes of Patreon and um, and YouTube, you can get your work out there, and you'll be surprised. Like as long as you, I think if you keep a, a regular, let's say if you do one video a week, um, and you just keep at it, eventually people will get onto it and. Um, You'll you'll get that recognition that you've been looking for. Yeah, and and again, it's it's all about being in the right place at the right time. It, you have to be in the right place with, you know, people who, who can help you, get further up the ladder. Um, because you don't it's, you don't want to be like a, trying to score a goal when you're playing in defence. You know, so it's like you got to be in the. Like that was the thing when I was living in Mayo. It was like, I was constantly out. You know, it's kind of like you're out of Dublin, and you, you have to be in Dublin, or yeah. you have to be in LA or New York or London. And um, yeah, but the thing is, you've also got a comp actually these days you, you don't because the internet is. is mm. But it, again, if if you want to be cast in in things in television, you have to. If you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Yeah. So that's where the the online presence plays a lot into it, and I suppose that's why a lot of people are like, "This is what I'm doing lately. I've been signed to this guy." You know, it's yeah, it's self promoting really. Yeah. So I know, man. It's a very long answer. No, well, come here. It's been a really deadly episode. Thank you so much for taking the time no to do it. Thank Will you. you do me a favour and just um, speaking of social media and any so is there any stuff? Well, let me ask you: Is there any self promotion you want to do? Because I know you're doing the tour and bits and bobs. Yeah, well, we'll myself and the the other lads from the Hardy Books will be doing a a few gigs this 
before Christmas will be in. I mean, when's this going out? This will go out. Uh, this will go out just after Christmas. Right. So Belfast 29th. I think we have a gig in Old Castle in Meath on the 30th, and then we've gigs in, I think Monroe's in Galway, another one in the Bowery in in late January. But that will all be up on the, on the Eddie Durkin's fan page. That's early. Yeah. Sweet man. Yeah. Uh, Martin, thanks so much for doing You're it. Very welcome. Thanks. Really me. appreciate it. Thank you. So that was Martin Maloney playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moore. A massive thank you to Martin for taking the time to do it. Uh, we've been trying to make it work for a while. Uh, as we talk about in the episode, Martin is back and forth to Sweden. When he's in Ireland, he's so busy, he's doing loads of gigs. So it was deadly uh, to make it happen. Also, a big shout out to Emily Fox, who uh, helped set the whole thing up. Emily introduced me to Martin one night outside of workmen's because sometimes that's how introductions happen. And uh, from that moment on, I had my eyes set on the wonderful man that is Martin Maloney. So again, Martin, thank you so much for taking the time to do it. Uh, in other news, as I said, I'm at the Tivoli Theatre. Come and check us out in Sleeping Beauty. Uh, we're pretty much sold out, and uh, you know, it's one of them things. I feel like if you're going to go to a panto, you're going to sort out your panto tickets already. But if you haven't, do come along and see us because uh, the show is great. I, I've been really enjoying it. It's such a good gang, and um, yeah, it's been a bit of a joy. So come along if you can. I'm also going to have a really exciting announcement coming up on a very selfish level very soon um, about uh, some of my own work that is going to be going on in the new year, very soon in the new year. Um, and just finalising the last few details of that before I kind of make that public but that's going to be exciting um, I don't know why I'm saying it like a school teacher the play will be better than this but you have to deal with this for now reality um, guys I will stop talking really soon but before I do I want to thank a few very wonderful people especially at this festive time of year a massive thank you as always to last week's wonderful guest Taz Kelleher for mixing editing and producing this podcast as well as being a wonderful podcast guest on Personality Bingo Taz also produces In the Share with Taz and Marcus which is also on the Headstuff Podcast Network it's one of their most popular podcasts and uh, yeah you know it's deadly so if you haven't listened to that episode what are you doing go back and listen to it it's a cracker Taz is a cracker and um, she does cracking work on this podcast every week so thank you Taz for all the work you do uh, also a massive massive thank you to Connor Nolan for his deadly artwork it just appears there every week doesn't really get any credit it's just class all the time so it's just a given but thank you Connor Nolan for being deadly also a massive thank you to Leah Moore and Anthony Manley for the deadly theme music uh, again it's one of the things it's just a given now we just copy and paste that um, I was going to call it a motherfucker but that was just so necessary wasn't it we copy and paste that masterpiece uh, into our uh, episode every week and it's just there for uh, and it kind of bookends everything so beautifully so thank you to the guys for their work also a massive massive thank you to Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for having us on the network uh, Headstuff is thriving I think it's going to be a massive year for the guys just based on the podcast they have the podcast that they seem to seek out um, and in terms of all the other work that they do they do like so many articles and um, so many different sections it's such a wide ranging arc of things that they cover it's kind of admirable and uh, the guys are deadly and have uh, I suppose just become friends over the last while which is great because uh, I really appreciate being on the network I wonder if they ever hear this oh, fuck them uh, <laughs> in other news uh, thank you guys for listening as I said it's so deadly I am the fact that people do listen to this uh, it's even deadlier when people um, manage to tell a friend or spread the word or whatever it might be say something nice about it it just helps it's as simple as that I really appreciate it if you haven't already do all the things on iTunes like the likes and the subscriptions and all that stuff again it's all nonsense but nonsense is part of the world and uh, it does help us so guys thank you so much for listening um, tune in next week when a mystery guest will play personality bingo with Tom Moore Tom Moore personality bingo
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.